the rivalry is back on. 1% better every day and 1-0. The set is the quarterback lined up behind center, takes a snap, going for a home run deep downfield, looking for T.Y. Hilton. Hilton makes the catch. He's in the 10, 5, doubles in the end zone, touchdown. Colts coming with pressure off the edge. Kenny Moore gets to Deshaun Watson. That's a sack for Kenny Moore. Kenny has a pick and now a sack in the game. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. Welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice podcast. I'm your host, co-host, as always, Cody Felger. Joining me, as always, Derek Larger. Derek, free agency is coming quickly, man. We're just about a week out. How are you feeling? Oh, man, the nerves are getting to me, man. I'm really wanting this thing to get going. We're less than a week until legal legal tampering starts, which in and of itself is very exciting. Uh, just can't wait to see what the Colts do this year because we all kind of expect them to maybe turn up the the heat a little bit more this year with the amount of cap space they need to spend. So I can't wait, man. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah, again, free agency starts next week. So that would be March 18th, Wednesday, March 18th. Free agency officially opens. But like you mentioned, Derek, there's legal tampering, which means they can start talking to players. Teams and players can start talking. And that goes two days before, I believe. So that's a Mm -hmm. Monday. Monday, legal tampering starts really. It's kind of like free agency starts on Monday because you you hear a lot of these deals being made before we even reach Wednesday. And so uh, next week is is really just a crazy week in the NFL um, after really just a long off season of not a whole lot going on. Normally, you know, it seems like the Colts um, off seasons are kind of crazy in some, mm-hmm. in, in some respects. I mean, last off season was pretty good up until obviously Andrew Luck retiring. I wouldn't really count that as the off season. Their off season was pretty quiet, right? Um, but you know, obviously Josh McDaniels, and just Edwin Jackson, all that stuff happening. Um, you know, this is maybe the first one of the first off seasons that Chris Ballard really, you know, it, it's really quiet um, amongst the Colts organization. Um, there's been a few reports of different, you know, players that the Colts are choosing, you know, reportedly to work on deals with, which we'll get to. And also uh, some guys that they are probably not going to bring back. They're going to let test free agency. And so, I thought in honor of free agency being next week, we could look at the Colts unrestricted, restricted free agents, and also um, some exclusive rights free agents, only a couple of those. And so um, I thought we could start first with the unrestricted free agents, go into the restricted free agents, and then go in to the last category, which I just mentioned, um, the exclusive rights free agents. And so I'll, we'll start there with the unrestricted free agents. And so, and I'll kind of explain what each one of them means. So basically what an unrestricted free agent is, is a player whose contract is expired and has four or more tenured years in the league. And they may sign with any other team with no restrictions. So there's no restrictions here. Um, If the Colts don't choose to re-sign them, they're free to explore any other options. And uh, there's 12 of these guys right now as it stands. Um, but one of those guys that we can kind of talk about right up front who we fully p- expect to be back and re-signed with the Colts is Anthony Costanzo. Um, 
And, you know, this will be his 10th year in the league. He's played nine seasons with the Colts. And, uh, you know, he was one of the best graded offensive tackles last year in the NFL. Um, he's We obviously have known throughout his career, he's been an elite run blocker, but he's gotten even better at pass blocking. Uh, he actually made the Pro Bowl. He was a Pro Bowl alternate for the first time in his career this last season in 2019. And, uh, you know, he kind of – there have been some reports, and Gastando had told reporters – that he was going to take some time and consider potentially retiring from the league. Um, I mean, he's not that old of a player as well, similar to Andrew Luck. I think that kind of gave some Colts fans some Andrew Luck PTSD a little bit. But Costanzo um, announced a couple weeks ago that he intends on playing in 2019, and he's going to kind of take it year by year and see what happens from there, according to GM Chris Ballard. And so we can kind of talk about Costanzo first because he is the biggest free agent. He's the only one as of now that we know most likely 99.9% sure he's going to be in a Colts uniform in 2019. So Derek, how big of a move is Costanzo? We've talked about him. We've harped on him on this podcast time and time again. How big, how big of a domino is it that Costanzo is deciding to come back for 2019? Oh, it's huge. Cause like I mentioned before, it gives Chris Ballard an extra year to really plan out his approach to the quarterback situation and then dealing with the left tackle, it just gives Ballard and this staff a little bit more time to just organize a strategy. And I, I can't wait to hear what that contract is for Costanzo. Kind of surprised that it's taken him this long to figure it out, but at least we do know he is coming back. And it's really nice to know that your left tackle, who was pretty much the third best left tackle in all of football last year, it's going to be back for one more year to help solidify that offensive line. And it just, like I said, opens up multiple different kinds of possibilities for Ballard to take advantage of. So that way they don't have to waste that 13th pick on a left tackle and rather spend it on something more important at the moment. Right. And it kind of gives you, you know, gives Chris Ballard, I guess, more of a window to explore finding that left tackle of the future as well. And I think that's huge because, you know, it would just be wild to think you lose your starting quarterback and then you lose your left tackle and back-to-back seasons. Like that's just unheard of. And so getting Costanza back is a huge, huge domino for what you want to do maybe at the quarterback position, at some other positions of need. Um, And also it gives you kind of a window now um, to address that left tackle position and start grooming somebody to potentially take over when Costanzo, whatever contract extension he does sign, um, whenever he does indeed hang it up, you have a guy waiting in the wings there that can take over that left tackle position. And so um, it's obviously a huge thing for the Colts moving forward. Um, On the flip side, I kind of want to talk about another guy uh, who most likely will not resign with the Colts. I mean, Chris Ballard is pretty candid that uh, they probably won't be exploring um, a contract extension with Eric Ebron, um, the tight end. He, he was mm-hmm. with the Colts for two years. He played uh, this last year in 11 games. Um, he only caught 31 passes for 375 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and he was actually placed on injured reserve on November 25th. He had some apparent ankle injuries, Um, but you know, he's a pro bowler back in 2018 with Andrew Luck, but it just kind of seemed like, obviously there was a downgrade from Andrew Luck to Jacoby Brissett and, uh, Ebron, you know, there was just kind of moments, I think last year that you saw, and I know that there's surprisingly a lot of people who still defend Eric Ebron 
Um, but just based off of Chris Ballard's comments and what he said at the end of the at his end of the year press conference, kind of seemed like Eric Ebron uh, rubbed him the wrong way and Colts management the wrong way with how he handled this season, um, and kind of just talking about how he, I don't know, it just, it just kind of gave me a vibe uh, that Eric Ebron probably kind of copped out on his teammates a little bit and uh, kind of just hung it up early and didn't really fight through some of those injuries like he would have if he had an Andrew Luck last year. And so it was just, you know, it's probably best for both parties to kind of, you know, go their separate ways. So no hard feelings towards Eric Ebron, you know, just didn't work out. And so the Colts are obviously going to have to address that position, the tight end position in the draft. uh, And that, and potentially in free agency as well, Derek, there are some guys I know we've talked about Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry, um, but what kind of dominant does this leave, you know, knowing that Eric Ebron, a red zone threat, is probably not going to come back to Indianapolis in 2019? Yeah, like you said, uh, it certainly is another receiving threat gone uh, and what, and pretty efficient one inside the red zone, no doubt about that, uh, especially when you don't know what quarterback you're going to have. You can use all the receiving help you can get. But, you know, again, it just leaves more options on the table for some of these younger guys who are going to get some uh, time to play. Or, you know, if we draft a tight end later on in this draft, which I think is perfectly plausible that we'll do. Uh, Yeah. So, like you said, you pretty much said everything about Eric Ebron that you need to know. Just very talented player, just didn't handle the situation very well uh, here in Indianapolis this last year. And, that's why it looks like he's not going to be here for very long. Yeah. Speaking of a guy that's been here for a long time, uh, Clayton Gathers, who's set to free hit free agency again. He was a free agent last year, signed a one year deal. He was a defensive captain this last year, but then he got actually benched uh, when Kari Willis really just came onto the scene and was fantastic as a rookie at that strong safety position. Uh, and so, you know, he finished 48 tackles, uh, he actually had his first career interception, which I think is absolutely wild. Right. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the injury history that he's had, along with the fact that I think so because of that injury history, he's not as effective as a player as he was when he was younger. And, uh, you know, the Colts just have some better options right now. Um, certainly, if you do resign Gathers, though, it's, it's definitely would be a, a team friendly deal type thing. Um, would you resign Gathers, Derek, if you had the choice and why or why not? Um, well, I mean, I did like his contract uh, last year when they brought him back for basically a veteran's minimum, if you want to call it that, which, mm-hmm. you know, is around two million dollars. It's they, they kind of knew that the direction they wanted to head in. They knew they were going to try and get something else uh, in the in the draft. I think that's one thing I'm going to look at closely is that. Whoever they re-sign, I'm going to look at these contracts or who they don't re-sign. I'm going to be able to assess whether or not that's going to have something to do with their draft. But Clayton Gathers, you know, is it's not always about what he brings to the field. It's ultimately the leadership and what you what a guy brings to the locker room that has helped. I mean, that's why Chris Ballard said this locker room that we have right now is ready for a big name free agent. It's because of guys like Darius Leonard and Clayton gathers and those other big name guys that are there every day that are role model teammates, role model citizens. And they are the guys that show up every day and do their job. 
Clayton Gathers, like we said, is a guy that's on the back end of his career. He's not going to give you a lot of time, and he's certainly not going to make the big play for you, obviously, but it is a guy that you know, you'd like to have around the locker room, especially some somewhere at this stage of when your team is still trying to get where it wants to be. So if Ballard can get him a contract similar to such, or maybe a little bit lower, because now we know that Kahari Willis is pretty much going to be the starter. Uh, if we can get, you know, Clayton for 2 million or under, then I would be perfectly fine with saying, be a backup, help be the role model in this, in this locker room. And I'm happy with that. And Chris Ballard was quoted uh, in his press conference saying, we did not have enough veteran leadership in the locker room last year. So you got to factor that in. Is that something that Chris Ballard really values that much that he'd bring back a guy like Clayton Gathers or does he look elsewhere for, you know, some veteran leadership? And also he's just the kind of player, you know, much love and much respect for Clayton Gathers over his career. He's done whatever he's been asked to do. You know, he got benched by a rookie. He got outplayed by a rookie and what did he do? He accepted his role and he played special teams and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. And that's what you want out of your veterans. Guys that, you know, they're happy for guys when they do well. You know, they're not going to let their pride get away. Clayton Gathers, if, they, if there was like, you know, a hierarchy of egos, you know, think of some of the top divas in the NFL, the, the pyramid of divas, I guess I'll call it. Clayton Gathers would be completely at the bottom. Like there's no doubt he would be a guy that has little to no ego. I mean, that's the kind of player that you want. You want a player like that. And I guess the debate will be talent versus leadership. And that's the big thing I'm going to be looking at. You know, do the Colts believe that Clayton Gathers probably won't be starting anytime soon unless an injury happens, knock on wood. But in an ideal world, Clayton Gathers probably isn't going to see the field much. He'll probably be on special teams. He'll probably just be in that backup role. Mm Mm-hmm. But really, like, do you think that he can provide you something still? Or do you think he's really kind of, in terms of his play, he's probably not got a lot to offer you? And I think that's the debate that Chris Ballard is going to have to have in his head and with his, with his uh, staff is, do you bring back a guy like Gathers? Do you believe that he has a little bit more juice in the tank? Or do you explore other options, you know, say Eric Berry, one of those other veteran safeties on the market to provide some leadership and provide some more safe, safety depth. And so that's the debate that's going to happen. Um, but I agree with you, Derek. I, I'm fine with whatever route the Colts go here. I'm not really emotionally tied together. You know, Kari Willis obviously is starting safety moving forward. Um, but if the Colts do get him at a good price, I'm totally okay if they bring him back for another year with, you know, the mindset of like, he's not going to start at all. Um, and that's totally okay with me. So, uh, okay. So another guy we can kind of look at, he's a guy that's scheduled to be a free agent. He's signed with the Colts this last year. Um, he was one of two free agents the Colts signed last year and he played in one game and got injured and was out for the entire year. And that's Devin Funches. Uh, and he's a guy that was brought in to be a big body veteran. Uh, he, he's more of a veteran and, and a red zone threat for the Colts offense at that wide receiver core. And, you know, he had a pretty solid first game. I mean, he had a couple catches. Um, he got injured. He, he injured his clavicle kind of on a jump ball to the end zone in that Chargers game, that, that, that season opening game. Uh, you know, he, he returned to practice. People were thinking, okay, he's going to come off of IR. 
And then things just didn't work out. And so Funches just went back to injured reserve. Didn't see the field the rest of the year. Um, but he got a decent contract from the Colts last year on a one-year deal. And um, this is a guy that I'm kind of split on, honestly. You know, it really depends on the price because he didn't really give you a lot last year. The obvious for obvious reasons because he was injured. Um, but you know, it's kind of like, do you bring him back for competition's sake? And also on the flip side, does Devin Funches even want to come back? Because when he signed with the Colts, he was under the stipulation that Andrew Luck is going to be the Colts starting quarterback for 16 games in 2019. And obviously that didn't happen at all. So, um, is it, is it something where, where Funches is, you know, is it something where he looks at that Colts quarterback position? He's like, Oh my gosh, I, I don't want any part of, a rookie quarterback thrown to me, Kobe Brissett thrown to me, whatever it is. And I'm going to go try to find a team that I can win with now and a team that has an elite quarterback now. And that's just going to be the debate. Um, but Derek, if you had the choice, if Devin Funches wanted to come back, what would you say to re-signing him? Yeah, you kind of mentioned it, how you know he was he came here this last off season under the impression that Andrew Luck was going to be the starter and then obviously gets hurt week one. And obviously he saw what came to be of the Indianapolis Colts. So you're right. It is a uh, thing at this point where you wonder if Devin Funches actually wants to be there versus what is he actually going to get? I mean, ultimately Devin Funches is not in a position to where he can really make any kind of demand for money. So mm-hmm. his options are limited when it comes to what he's going to get, because obviously nobody's seen him play in two years and you know, the Panthers got rid of him and then he goes to the Colts, gets hurt the first game out and then doesn't play the whole rest of the year. Uh, there's questions about, you know, his dedication so people are going to question him. I think ultimately his his best bet at this point is to stay in Indianapolis, try it one more year, see what happens with whatever quarterback they have, and then make something work. Um, me personally, I would like to keep Funchess around because, you know, again, we're kind of not in a situation where the Colts can really do much when it comes to wide receivers but given so much emphasis on the wide receiver class this upcoming draft and seeing what you know our options are i definitely could see devin funches being gone so that way you have some room there and then you bring in somebody in the second round and then you know you insert them into the system the same exact way you did funches mm-hmm. for sure uh, the next two guys I want to look at also wide receivers. Um, I kind of look at them as kind of guys that didn't really make a huge impact in 2019. Um, the first one being Chester Rogers. Uh, he didn't really do a lot. He, he only played in 12 games and went on injured reserve. He had knee surgery, knee injury, um, only had 16 catches really didn't do a lot for the Colts, uh, in 2019 and then also Dontrell Inman a guy that was brought in in 2018 when Andrew Luck was still here and it was a revelation for the Colts honestly and really um helped secure that number two wide receiver position but then wasn't re-signed because the Colts obviously chose to sign Devin Funches instead but came back in week 15 had played three games with the Colts uh you know finished out the season 
um, only catching four passes for 49 yards. He's an older player and hasn't, you know, didn't do a lot for the Colts last year. And so um, both these guys are kind of guys that I probably wouldn't bring back. Honestly, they're guys that I feel like you can definitely improve on. Um, they're definitely guys that you could upgrade from. And, uh, you know, both guys have had stints with the Colts and both guys have had, you know, decent years at some point with the Colts, but both these guys I feel like are replaceable and uh, don't really bring anything special to the table. And I definitely think that you could upgrade from both these guys. Um, but I'm curious to hear your take on these two guys, Derek. Yeah. Like you said, not super interested in bringing these guys. Like you said, they're most of these guys are ending up being replaceable with that. Um, again, it's just one of those things you mentioned it. Uh, just, I, I wouldn't, be too hyped to try and bring either one of these guys back because you know for obvious reasons mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's not a whole lot to say about those guys it's yeah. like yeah they're they're okay you know if you bring them back whatever probably won't want them to make the final roster but you know it's competition whatever uh, okay so the next guys i'm going to look at i'm going to actually going to clump these into there's three guys here i'm going to clump them into one category they're the reserve offensive lineman from last year first guy i have on the list josh andrews the center um, he, he was the backup to Ryan Kelly. Uh, he played in that Pittsburgh game when Kelly went down, he played 49 off sim- offensive snaps at center for the Colts. Uh, didn't, you know, he's just kind of, he's been a, a decent backup, I guess for you, but he's nothing special. I think a guy you can definitely improve on, uh, another guy, LaRaven Clark, um, who, you know, he only was active for three games in 2019. He was a third round pick in 2016 from Chris or from Ryan Grixon, I should say, um, out of Texas Tech. He actually, in 2018, he started the year when Costanza went down with an injury. And uh, I thought he played pretty decent. Um, but, you know, he's definitely a guy that he probably don't re-sign either. Uh, but the next guy I have is a guy that I would probably want the Colts to re-sign of all of these guys, and that's Joe Haig. Um, he's kind of that Swiss army knife of the offensive line. Um, he doesn't... You know, he's not a guy that's going to probably start games for you. And he might actually, you know, if he does leave, he might leave because he wants starter money because I feel like he's the guy that could start on a team. Um, but he's the guy that's played tackle. He's played guard. I think he's played pretty much everything except for center at this point. Um, and he played for he played for Quentin Nelson in week 16. Uh, he's been, he was a fifth round pick. So he's in that same class as Clark. Um, but I feel like he's a guy that's, you know, proved to be the better player in these couple of years that he's been with the Colts, but his contract's obviously up as well. Um, so I'm curious, Derek, on these three guys, kind of where do you stand on Andrews, on Clark, and then on Haig? Yeah, Clark obviously is a no return for me. Uh, hasn't had much time and just really hasn't done much to prove himself since coming to the team a few years ago. Uh, was a guy that, you know, you hoped that he would get better. You know, he had good size for the position that he was playing, but just, you know, didn't quite learn how to read uh, schemes and was just not really strong given his size. So, yeah, he he's definitely a no bring back for me. Uh, and then Josh Andrews, obviously, this year with the few injuries to Ryan Kelly in the middle of the year. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Kelly in the middle of the year. Uh, Andrews had a few times to play where he actually played, what was it? 49 snaps against Pittsburgh. Uh, and that was, you know, the game that he 
pretty much had his most playing time, had a couple uh, plays where he actually looked like he was actually doing pretty good. Um, I'm indifferent when it comes to him. Uh, I just don't know if I would be personally willing to bring him back, but I think you might have to just simply off of this, that Joe Haig, as much as I want to bring him back, I don't know if he's willing to come back because I feel that there is a team out there somewhere that is going to look at Haig and willing to pay him good dollars to ensure he comes to play for them. And that scares me because obviously Haig is a really great secondary piece in case something unfortunately were to happen to one of our offensive linemen. He's always been, like you said, the Swiss army knife has been able to play just about every position outside of center for the most part. And, you know, he's done particularly well in those uh, limited snaps that he gets. So yeah, it does concern me that somebody's going to want to see Haig in a regular starting uniform somewhere else. But if Haig is willing to stay, I am willing to pay a decent dollar to make sure that he stays in Indianapolis. Yeah. And I think it's fairly obvious that the Colts have to get some more depth in that offensive line. And whether you do it with Joe Haig and Josh Andrews and what, you know, what have you, or you don't, the Colts still have to upgrade that interior. I think that's just like non-negotiable at this point. Um, they were so fortunate last year to really not have any significant injuries among that offensive line, but I think they have to, and whether or not you bring back some of these guys is to be determined, but out of all those guys, I would definitely bring back Joe Haig if the price is right. And if he's willing to stay in Indianapolis as a reserve. And so um, another guy, another kind of bigger name as well, Jabal Sheard defensive end. Um, he's a guy that last year, actually, he's been pretty durable for the Colts ever since he was brought in in 2017 by Chris Ballard. Uh, he was a guy who last year kind of was hit with the injury bug to start the year. He got injured in training camp and was out the first couple weeks of 2019 and uh, he he played in 13 games for the Colts. He had, you know, just typical Jabal Sheard numbers. Honestly, nothing spectacular, but, you know, pretty solid numbers. And that's just kind of the player that he is. Very good run defender, um, you know, and he kind of makes up for that with not being a fantastic off-the-edge player. But, uh, you know, he's a nine-year NFL veteran. He's a key piece and a key cog to that defense. Um, but he's getting older. He's, uh, I believe he's 30 or over 30 now. And so he's a guy that's played some good snaps for, for the Colts in the couple of years he's been here, but you know, his contract extensions up. And so I guess the question is, do you bring back sheared or do you go try to go break the bank and, you know, sign one of those big name free agents or draft an edge guy or whatever it is and choose not to bring sheared back. I'm of the thinking that you do bring Sheard back just because I think he offers you a lot in the running against the run, um, mm-hmm. you know, and some of those younger guys, the Colts have Kamoko Ture, Ben Banagu aren't necessarily that good against the run, at least at this point in their careers. And so I think you should bring him back um, and kind of bring him back just for depth purposes. Um, and then you, you know, if you want to address that edge rusher, I think you can do that in free agency still. And I think you can do that in the draft, but you know, I would just bring back a guy like Sheard because I think he just offers you a lot. And I don't think I would sign him to a big deal, um, you know, multi-year deal, but I think he's a guy that you can bring back for a couple of years. And he can still give you a couple of years of pretty solid football. But what would you do, Derek, with Joe Ball Sheard? 
Yeah, if the Colts don't have somebody in the mix right away to be that defensive end, then I would absolutely want to bring Jabal Sheard back for the obvious reasons. Like you said, he's a phenomenal run-defending end, which is something that is not really – you know, talked about as much as, you know, pressuring the quarterback. But even though Jabal Sheard has had a few sacks every couple every year when he gets out there, uh, he's also one of those guys that, like you said, he leads by example, isn't much of a guy to talk. He's more of a uh, just let me go out and do my thing and just watch kind of guy, which is another guy that you want to have in that locker room as well. And yeah, he, he's his production every year. He's reliable. He's he's good productive wise. I would definitely want to make sure that we keep Jabal Sheard if we can get him for a good price. For sure, for sure. Another guy that I might potentially want to bring back, depending on what the price is, is Jonathan Williams. He's a guy that last year he played in nine games. He actually started one game for the Colts last year. Um, had two hundred thirty five yards. He had a touchdown. Uh, and the big thing is in those weeks that Marlon Mack was injured in weeks 11 and 12, he had back to back a hundred yard rushing performances. Um, and you know, he's a player that's kind of been on the Colts practice squad in 2018 fully. And then was kind of, he's a fourth running back right now. And so, uh, he wasn't really a guy that you think much about, but you know, when he was called upon, he performed and he, he produced. And I think that's something that's big um, I guess it really depends on does he is he want to be the number four running back here with the Colts and you know also what's he going to command for the Colts is he going to command is he, is he going to think because of those performances oh, I want to go somewhere else where I can kind of let my talent shine and get more playing time or is he a guy that's you know comfortable with where he is on the Colts and grateful for an opportunity and they got the Colts bring back I personally am of the belief that you know in a 16 game season you're going to have wear and tear like we've seen. Um, you're going to have probably one of your running backs, if not multiple of your running backs, get injured. And I think you just have to have depth at that position. Uh, now, if he commands a lot of money, I, I'm fully of the belief that you can also draft a running back You know, in the later rounds. And we saw that with Marlon Mack, fourth-round pick. Uh, Jordan Wilkins, fifth-round pick. Naheem Hines, fourth-round pick. So all the Colts' picks have been fourth-round or later. And Jonathan Williams, obviously, is a guy that – um, the Colts brought the Colts did not draft, but they brought in um, and he's, you know, he, he played pretty well, all things considered. So I would probably bring him back if the price is right. What would you do, Derek, with Jonathan Williams? Yeah, Jonathan Williams, again, for, you know, when we were dealing with Marlon Mack having issues, uh, Jonathan Williams did provide a good relief out of the backfield. Uh, pretty much any running back can do some good with that kind of offensive line and the way that the Colts are able to run the ball. Um, I mean, unless he's asking for a small amount, I'm not really of the interest of bringing Jonathan Williams back just because, you know, again, it's one of those things. He's a third string running back at best. And I just don't feel the need to put too much emphasis on him unless he doesn't feel he has any other options anywhere. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's a good point you bring up there. Uh, The last guy on my list, this is going to be more of a controversial one. Adam Vinatieri, a guy that has been with the Colts since 2006 has been fantastic. He's the goat. As far as kickers go, he's a leading scorer of the entire league. But last year he had a rough year. 
he he played in 12 games uh 17 to 25 field goals that's not very good but the thing that was the worst was he missed six extra points he was only 78.6 percent good on on those um and he got placed on injured reserve and uh you know he's the guy that the the Colts have said is going to try to rehab and see where he's at and kind of see you know the, for playing in 2019 and beyond kind of where he's feeling I, you know, this is a tough one for me, man. It's like, how do you go against the greatest kicker of all time? The most clutch kicker of all time. How do you say no to bringing him back? But I think I got to say no to bringing him back, you know, because of the age, because of the injury and those things factor into each other. Because as you get older with age, man, like those injuries, you can't recover from them as quick. And it seems like this has been an injury that Adam Vinatieri has dealt for dealt with, for a while now, it's been a lingering injury for him. It was a, it's a groin injury, I believe. And, and so I, I liked what Chase McLaughlin did. I believe that you can bring in younger guys that can produce some competition. Uh, it's just so tough for me to bring him back after that atrocious season he had last year where he cost the Colts games. Like he cost the Colts games that they could have won. And again, I get it. It's, it's, and the, it's the NFL. There are a thousand other factors for why the Colts lost the games that they did. But kicking was a big part of why they lost. Even that home, op- you know, that not the home opener. I mean, I guess you could kind of call it the home opener. I mean, the Chargers didn't really have many fans there. Heck, the Colts probably outnumbered them there in Los Angeles. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, he cost the Colts. I believe it was like a lot of points, maybe even double digit points there with the missed field goals and missed extra yeah. points. <laughs> and, I mean, he cost you know, us. He, what it was it seven points in the first game alone. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was seven points in the first bad. game alone. I mean, he yeah, single-handedly was, cost us that first game. Right. And, and I get it. You know, people can people will probably be in the comment section saying, why are you attacking out of Vinatieri? It's a team game. I get that. But when you're, when you're hurting your team, something's got to change. And I just think, you know, I'm of the belief, I love what Adam Vinatieri's done. I'm so thankful for Adam, what Adam Vinatieri has done. Heck, he's been the Colts kicker ever since I've watched them and paid attention to them. Adam Vinatieri has been the Colts kicker. But I'm just of the belief, man, that you can get younger at that position. You have a guy that looked really, really good in Chase McLaughlin. He was a rookie last year, so he's very young. Um, guy with a lot of potential there, and you can even bring in more competition there at that kicker position. But, you know, in, in a league of instability – yeah, I think the Colts got one of the better kickers in Chase McLaughlin, one of the better younger kickers, I should say, in Chase McLaughlin, based mm-hmm. on off, off of what we saw, not just with the Colts, but throughout his 2019 season, he was solid. He was good for the for all those teams he was on, and the Colts have him now. And so um, I'm going to say no to Vinatieri. I know that's probably a little bit controversial maybe, uh, but I want to hear your take on it, Derek. Well, it may be controversial for some people, but it's not controversial for me, Cody. I'm in the <laughs> same boat with you. Do not bring Adam Vinatieri. Or I guess I shouldn't say don't bring him back. I guess I shouldn't say don't bring him back. Um, it's just the issue of, yeah, like you said again, he's forty. He's his mid forties, and the injuries have been stacking up and. Like I said, he cost us several games last year. He wasn't the sole reason why we cost we got cost so many games last year, but there were multiple games that he had a ginormous factor in why we either barely won or didn't win. 
And, you know, you have the Chargers game. You had the the Broncos game uh, and a couple others that I can't name off the top of my head. But, you know, I, I feel like I feel like I'm Zach Hicks right now. Just like, you know, just <laughs> abolish the kickers. The kickers suck. It's just <laughs> one of those things that, you know, I, I could only imagine if Zach listens to this, the uh, reaction he's getting. I could only imagine what I'll he would be this, saying man. in his head. <laughs> Uh, like, yeah, yes, it, I agree. Holy yeah. crap. Okay. So, <laughs> wow. I didn't realize how much older Adam Vinatieri is 13 years older than Rams coach Sean McVay. Now I get Sean McVay's young, but that's crazy. <laughs> he's still playing and he's, yeah, it, it's, it is really, it is really old. And yeah, that's why I would just say, look, just move on, you know, thank him for everything he did. He's probably going to get into the Colts ring of honor at some point, which is mm-hmm. really cool. I mean, not everybody that ends their careers in Indianapolis has to end on a on a great positive note. Uh, we'll remember Vinatieri a lot more for the multitude of years that he was there helping us win games, and yeah. he certainly helped us win a few games last year as well. So, look, you take the bad with the good, the good with the bad. Go live your life, have a good one. It's just time to move into a different direction with that. Yeah, I just think it would be irresponsible to to try that again. I really do. I think that it's something where he cost you so many games last year. If it was I get it to a point where Frank Reich's like, how do you cut the best player of all time? But the NFL's a business, and with any business, if I showed up to my job, again, I get it. <laughs> I I'm not in my career, I'm not the the best to ever do it like Adam Vinatieri is, but you know, say you show up to your job, you've been doing your job time and you can no longer function. You can no longer do the duties that you have to do. It's, it's a business. Like it does like, thank you for your service and what you've done, but we got to go. We're not about sentimental things. We're not about looking at the past. If you're the Colts, we're about winning football games. We're about winning the Super Bowl. And if your kicker can't do that, if he can't live up to par. And Adam Venturi even said it. He said, I will retire when I feel like I've been, I was a hindrance to my team. Well, <laughs> it's not only breaking news, but Adam Venturi was a hindrance to his team last year. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, regardless of what, if he thinks he can continue to kick, I think the Colts have to be smart with this. They have to take their feelings, throw them out at this point, And they have to make a business decision because it's the NFL. And that's just my take on it. Right. I mean, somebody's probably going to comment something nasty in the comment section, but man, man, that's just how it is. That's just how kind of business runs. And so that's just my take on it. Um, we can move on now to the restricted free agents, unless you have any more comments, Derek, on Vinatieri. Anything else you want to add? Nope, I'm good there. All right. So what a restricted free agent is, it's basically a player whose contract has expired and has fewer than four tenured years in the league. So basically it's a player who's probably a little bit younger, Um, He may say signed an offer sheet with any other team, but his original team has seven days to match any offer he receives. If the original team does not match the offer, compensation will be awarded in the form of draft picks from the signing team. The round and quantity of picks that are determined by the qualifying offer made by the player's original team. If If a restricted free agent is tendered a minimum qualifying offer, the compensation is equivalent of the round in which the player was originally selected. So if that player was originally a rookie free agent, no compensation is awarded. And so the Colts only have a couple of these guys. Um, I believe that 
the one that would maybe qualify would be Marcus Johnson. Um, I believe he was like a sixth round pick or something like that. Um, he's the first guy we can kind of talk about. Um, he's a guy that, you know, was kind of on the Colts practice squad. Um, and when all the Colts had all those injuries to their wide receivers, he got activated from that practice squad, played in eight games, started six games. Uh, he finished with 17 catches, 277 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he, you know, he's a guy that the Colts did not pick up um, his whatever you call it. Uh, they didn't they're not going to offer him anything. So he will become a free agent. He'll be a guy that can sign anywhere. Uh but, you know, he provided some stuff for you last year. But ultimately, Derek, why do you think the Colts decided that they're probably not going to bring him back and they're going to let him test free agency in 20, 2020 and moving forward? Yeah, like you said, the wide receiver thing, it's so it's so weird with the Colts, right? We have this discussion probably – we have probably had this discussion every offseason over the last five years has been, you know, that – sixth or seventh wide receiver who's going to come in you know make sure to check this out and this guy out but you know it's just one of those things that again or we're going to come into this draft and we're going to probably get some guys so i wouldn't be surprised to see marcus johnson go and you know i I, we always appreciate marcus johnson for what he does but i mean just he's just another guy that comes and goes with us and we just may not have the roster spot for him yeah, I think it's ultimately just that. You know, you want to improve on that wide receiver position. You're probably going to address it in the draft. Maybe you'll do it in free agency. And there's just not room for him on the roster. And I think that's fair. Uh, another guy that was brought in, kind of signed off the practice squad, actually in October, uh, was Trayvon Coley. Um, he was actually signed from the Ravens practice squad. Um, he played in seven games. He had six tackles. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, Hasn't really done much in his career. He was kind of just a rotational piece among that defensive line, a bigger body in there. And so um, I don't know how much Derek, you know about Coley, um, but he's probably, you know, I don't know if you would bring him back or not, um, especially kind of how bare that defensive line position is right now. Um, would you consider bringing back a guy like Trayvon Coley? I probably wouldn't do that right now. You know, just with the D line, the way it is, I I like who we have in there in the mix now, you know, with the Grover Stewart's in the middle and the Kamiko Teray and Ben Benegu on the outside. I'm just not, I I didn't see much of Coley over uh, the last year. And I I just think that that's just another position that Ballard will try to look at in the draft. Uh, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I think he's going to address that defensive tackle position for agency and or the draft. Uh, So I agree with you there. Um, Another guy, a corner, kind of a crowded position. Um, I'm not going to try to say his first name. I think it's Brian, but I I don't want to mess it up. Um, But, you know, that we'll just say Brian for the sake of argument. Brian Body Calhoun. That's an interesting name. Uh, But he's a corner. Um, he, He played in two games. He started actually one for the Colts in 2019. Um he he didn't really do a whole lot. He had one sack, uh, quarterback hit. He's a four-year veteran. He's kind of been around the league, uh, started 22 games. Um, he played for Cleveland. He played for Houston, and then he came to the Colts. Um, kind of just a rotational piece back there. Uh, but would you bring him back um, just for depth purposes and then, you know, just in training camp and stuff just for more competition, or would you not? 
Yeah. I mean, that's the great thing with, you know, training camp and other things like that. You want to bring guys in to try and get some more competition. So yeah, like you said, with the right price being in mind and with the competition factor, it's always a good idea to bring in some extra guys to help push those other ones. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Okay. We can move on now to the exclusive right free agents. So basically these are players whose contracts have expired and have two or two or fewer tenured years in the league. Uh, the Colts must make a contract offer by the league imposed deadline or the players become unrestricted free agents. Uh, the first guy on our list was a big talking point in training camp before he really suffered that gruesome ankle injury late in training camp. And that's Jerese Fountain. Um, he's a guy that played pretty much his entire rookie season on the Colts practice squad. Uh, and, you know, he really wasn't doing a whole lot in that first year. And then when it came training camp, he started making a lot of plays, started making a big push for that 53-man roster. Um, And then obviously he had that ankle injury, went down in training camp, missed the entire 2019 season. Uh, With a fifth-round pick in 2018, he, uh, he hasn't done a lot in the league because obviously practice squad and then being injured. Um, but he's a guy I think I'd be interested to bring back, especially considering, you know, you, we didn't really see him in game action, game action as far as live bullets. I mean, you can count the preseason kind of. He was making some plays in the preseason. But as far as a regular season game, we haven't really seen him. Um, we saw him in that Kansas City game, but you know, in that playoff game a couple of years ago. But we haven't really seen him just because of circumstances. But he's a guy that has tremendous potential. He's a guy that looked like, at least from what we saw, um, he definitely progressed as a wide receiver in the NFL. Um, he's a guy that I would be interested. I think you should definitely bring back and kind of see what you can tap into with Reese Fountain now that he's entering his third year, especially since you obviously cut ties with Deion Kane um, and you know let him go. I think he's with the Steelers now. And I think he's just a guy that he's a really intriguing guy that I'm definitely going to be watching uh, this year and this summer when I go down to training camp and just kind of see these what this new revamped potentially Colts wide receiver position. Uh, what would you say, Derek, to bringing back Reese Fountain? Yeah, I'm absolutely in favor of bringing back Reese Fountain. Uh, obviously, we saw what he was doing in training camp before going down with that injury. Uh, a guy that plays with a lot of passion. Anyone that follows him on Twitter knows that. Uh, it certainly looks like he really wants to get back onto the football field. Hopefully we can go through training camp again without him having an issue. Uh, I think he's going to put in the time and the effort to get himself right again and to be able to make a difference. And, you know, again, like I said, you know, with the wide receivers that we have, it certainly wouldn't be a terrible option uh, to see if he's going to try and stick around. I think he wants to be around here and I, I certainly would like to really bring him back. Yeah. Uh, something cool. Reese fountain posted actually on uh, the eighth. Uh, so he posted a couple of days ago from when we're recording now we're recording on the 10th. Um, so I guess yesterday was the first day that he worked out without, he, he said my training wheels on, he said, we're not fully there yet, but it's been a long time coming so, Looks like he's he's doing well in his recovery process. He's definitely an interesting prospect to bring back, a guy that I would absolutely bring back. I'm the last guy on the list here, Roland Milligan. Um, he's a guy that he played some as a significant role with the Colts there in 2019. I uh, played in 11 games. He started a game. Uh, he finished with 10 tackles, a quarterback hit, 
Um, he played some special teams, went on injury reserve with a, a foot injury December 18th, uh, potentially a guy that you bring back for competition's sake, especially if you let Clayton Gathers walk and you don't really address that safety position um, in free agency. Uh, a young guy that, you know, potentially could you could tap into. Um, he kind of gives me, you know, I, obviously – it may not even pan out to this kind of gives me a little bit of Kenny, Kenny Moore vibes, you know, a guy that kind of got some playing time when some injuries happened, uh, played pretty decent a guy that you, he's young, a guy that you can potentially bring back and see some potential in. Uh, what do you think about bringing Milligan back potentially uh, for the Colts in 2020? Yeah. Mulligan's definitely a guy that, you know, is a good role player, especially for special teams and anyone that knows Chris Ballard knows that if you're able to play special teams while also playing another position, you are certainly a guy that he is looking for to keep around. So I am perfectly willing uh, to say that I would want to have, excuse me, to have Mulligan back, uh, especially if we're going to be able to keep him on a lower deal as well. For sure. Uh, he's kind of a guy that is in my mind, kind of polar opposites of Quincy Wilson at this point. Uh, Quincy Wilson, early round pick, can't play special teams. Milligan, a guy who I believe he was undrafted um, or a late draft pick. He's a guy that can play special teams, can kind of play whatever you want. And so uh, I would definitely consider bringing him back. I think he's a good potential option, especially like I talked about, same same philosophy with running backs and uh, defensive backs. You know, it's a long, long season. You need depth, and I think Milligan can provide that depth and also can grow as a player because, I mean, he, he has, doesn't have a lot of NFL experience yet. I think he can continue to develop, continue to grow as a player, and can be a guy that you can bring back and kind of see if you can tap into any potential there. Okay, and moving on to our next segment here. So yesterday we posted our top five positions of need. Derek posted his. I posted mine. Um, what we thought, we kind of had a little bit of different opinion on it. Um, so I wanted to kind of start and look at my top five positions of need here, and then I'll pass it off to you, Derek, after I am done defending why I believe my list is accurate. And then I'll have you do the same for yours. So I'll start here at number five, and I have cornerback. Now, I know the Colts addressed this last year in the draft. Their first pick in the second round was uh, was a corner, Rocky Sin. Uh, but I believe that you can definitely, you know, we we saw some good things as the season progressed with Yasin. Uh, but I believe that you can upgrade over Pierre Desir. I believe that you can get some quality options there at corner. I don't anticipate you taking it in the first couple rounds. Uh, but I think that that's a position that you can potentially continue to upgrade, especially with the uncertainty around Quincy Wilson coming into this year. Does he even make the final roster? Um, I think he's a, it's a position that you could address whether that be free agency and you bring in some more competition. I know a lot of people um, have thought about Byron Jones. He he might cost a lot. So you have to weigh that option. Um, But I think one thing the Colts have been lacking is a true number one corner. We've seen flashes of it from different players, but nobody has taken it and solidified it. Uh, So I think you can definitely upgrade there. I only have it at five because I believe that if you don't really upgrade it this off season, it's not the end of the world. I believe it's something that you should upgrade, but if you don't, I know you have other needs that you need to address. So if you 
put a lot of that cat, a lot of that investment in those other positions. I won't be mad. I think you can get away with it. You have some depth there at that corner position. So number five for me, there is corner. Number four for me is tight end. I believe tight end is a huge, huge thing. This offseason is for how the Colts offense goes. We touched on it earlier. Eric Ebron's not coming back to the Colts. Most likely he's going to be exploring other options. Uh, the Colts have outside of Ebron, the Colts have Jack Doyle, who has been a solid player, but he's not really a player that's going to take the top off the defense. Uh, and they have Mo Ali Cox, who's more of just a run blocker at this point. And I believe that the Colts really need to address the tight end position and find a receiving threat um, similar to Eric Ebron, you know, a, a red zone threat for whoever the quarterback is in 2020. Uh, they just need to address it. They need to upgrade there. Need to find a young player, um, a young, good receiving threat. Uh, maybe a guy that you don't necessarily have to have come in and block, kind of how they used Eric Ebron. Uh, but I believe they need a compliment to Jack Doyle. I believe they should probably either find one of those two guys we talked about in free agency, one of those receiving tight ends, or go mid-round pick, get a tight end. That's kind of my take on it. Uh for me, number three is wide receiver. I believe wide receiver is huge this offseason. Similar to corner, though, the Colts addressed it last year, uh, but a little bit different from corner is they didn't get the production out of Paris Campbell that they got out of Rock Yassin. And Paris Campbell showed some flashes, but he was injured a lot in, in that first year. And so, you know, Zach Pascal kind of showed you something. So you think you got some good potential young players in both those guys. Uh, if you bring back Devin Funches, that's obviously a move that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's getting up there in age. He's been injured the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, you, you also, you know, you have some other potential players that you could continue to look at. Uh, but I think you should address the wide receiver position, whether that be free agency. Say the Cowboys let Amari Cooper walk for some stupid reason. I think you go after him. Um, or, you know, you go in the draft and you bring back, you, you bring a guy in second round, third round, you, maybe you double dip in the draft and get a couple guys there. Uh, just, just really increase the talent level and really increase the competition at that wide receiver position for whoever, uh, the starting quarterback is. So I have it there at number three, because there are some guys that you can work with, but I think you still have to continue to upgrade and pour some resources into it in this off season. Number two for me is defensive tackle, primarily the three technique. I think Grover Stewart's a fine player. I think he can play there at the other defensive tackle position, but you got to address that three technique. Danico Autry came in last year uh, with high expectations, at least from me, didn't do hardly anything. Three and a half sacks was not near the impact pass rusher. He was in 2018. Uh, He's getting up there in age as well. So I think you need to address that, whether that be free agency uh, you know, you have a guy like Eric Armstead. Do you potentially, if the 49ers don't re-sign him, sign him to play that three technique for you? He's a young player. Or do you draft a guy? You know, I, I have a, I kind of have a new draft crush. Um, and we'll talk about this later on uh, in our second mock draft. But I kind of have, uh, um, have a draft crush in Ross Blacklock, uh, defensive tackle. I think the Colts could get him um, in the second round there. But, uh, you know, or, or, you know, Derek's talked about it before Javon Kinlaw guy there at 13. If all those quarterback prospects are gone, do you sign or do you draft Kinlaw, uh, a very disruptive defensive tackle in there? Uh, there's a lot of ways that you can approach it, but I think you simply need to address it and you simply need to upgrade from it in 2020. So 
Um, and that obviously leaves number one. Shouldn't be a shock to anybody. I've been preaching it all offseason. Number one is quarterback. It's undoubtedly quarterback. I mean, there's a big gap for me. And I believe that Jacoby Brissett's a fine backup, but he's not the player that you are going to move forward with in the future for the Colts at the quarterback position. Uh, I know the Colts, at least on paper, uh, at least from what they've said, believe in Jacoby Brissett. Um, but I believe that you simply need to upgrade the talent there. I believe, you know, J- Jacoby Brissett's not particularly a super young player anymore. I believe he's 27 now. Um, so he's getting older and he really hasn't shown a ton of signs of improvement. I mean, he's a fine backup, but I think that's all he should be for you. Uh, and so I would definitely address the quarterback position. We've talked about this time and time again. We'll continue to talk about it time and time again. You got to, you got to upgrade. You got to upgrade whether that's free agency and you bring in one of these guys, you trade for a guy or, you know, potentially you draft a guy there at 13 or you trade up for a guy. If you really fall in love with the guy, kind of like the chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, hopefully it's a more of a Patrick Mahomes than a Mitchell Trubisky situation, but yep. regardless, you got to do something there to upgrade that position because Frank Reich talked about it. And I think Chris Ballard talked about it. It's the most important position and probably the hardest position in sports to play. So you have to have a superstar at that position or a very, very good player at that position to be successful in this league. Um, and we saw it in the Super Bowl, Derek, when it came time to make a play, the best player on the field made a play. And that was Patrick Mahomes, the chief's quarterback. So that's my list. I'll run through it again. Five corner, four tight end, three wide receiver, two defensive tackle. And number one is quarterback. That's my list. And that's why I think, it's accurate, but Derek, you have a little bit of different list. What's your list? Yes. And before I even get anywhere into this list and I'm talking to the audience right here, you, yes, you, I can see you through your laptop or mobile device, whatever you're listening to this on before you type that comment. And I know what comment you're just about to type. It's that reference that Cody just made about let's hope it's a Patrick Mahomes situation, not a Mitchell Trubisky situation. Don't you dare start typing in that that's the reason why we should go with Jordan Love over Justin Herbert. Don't you do it. All right? You're listening to me now. Don't do it because I'll get mad at you. Anyway, I'm just kidding, Colts Nation. I love you guys. But anyway, everybody knows my guy is Justin Herbert. But um, Anyway, so yeah, my list for my top five uh, biggest needs for this Colts offseason. Number five is tight end for me. Uh, Tight end, obviously, a bigger one now that we're missing Eric Ebron and with uncertainty of the depth of the rest of the guys that we have. We know we're going to have Jack Doyle, who is a consistent, good tight end, but it's always important to have another, especially one that can receive, and that would be great to add to the team as well. And number four for me is offensive guard. Uh, somebody to compliment that right side. Uh, I know that this many people would say what tight ends more important than that. Yeah. But it's kind of funny that I'm the one that is taking a note out of Cody's book here and wanting offensive guard ahead of tight end, because you know, this is the same guy that was preaching to me all year 
we've got to upgrade over Glowinski. I mean, it's just <laughs> has to happen. And I'm, and I'm kind of agreeing with him here. I would love to be able to bring somebody in that could compete with Glowinski for that uh, right guard spot, especially since, you know, we just talked about it earlier with, you know, Joe Haig possibly going to another team, uh, not getting Josh Andrews back. Maybe, uh, you know, the lack of depth on the offensive line, it's something that we absolutely can use. So offensive guard for me at number four, Number three for me, and I think this is the same for you, Cody, is wide receiver at number three. Uh, like I said, obviously, we still need some bigger talent on that on that wide receiver group. Uh, I just am tired of hearing a lot of people say that, you know, keep talking about lack of production from our wide receivers. You even have players from the Colts saying the reason why there was no production is because they were hurt all year. I mean, you know that... You're not listening when the your own team is telling you, reminding you that the wide receivers were hurt all year. There's a reason why they weren't producing. So, again, they need somebody new, somebody that's going to come in, be that new uh, and improved wide receiver. And obviously Paris Campbell being in there, obviously he's going to help out. But and with T.Y. Hilton on the back end of what we think is the back end of his career here soon and the uncertainty of Devin Funches and a few other guys, it makes sense that they would want to go with a wide receiver or two in this draft. Now, this is where it gets interesting for me. And go. I can already hear the comments now. <laughs> Uh, I've already been battling with some people on Twitter about it, but I'm going to say it. The number two biggest need we have is our quarterback. Not number one. You heard me right, folks. It's quarterback at number two. Okay. So (laughs) here is why I say that. So, and and I'll explain more on the reason this number one position is more important here in a second, but I'm just going to say this, that, there are a lot of options that I can see happening for the Colts when it comes to quarterbacks in this offseason. You do have the possibility of getting a Rivers, which as much as some people say he's not a good player, I think most can agree he's a slight upgrade from Jacoby Brissett. Uh, or if you would decide to get Tom Brady or you'd go for a Jameis Winston or a Teddy Bridgewater or an Andy Dalton or any of the, or Nick Foles or any of these guys, Derek Carr. I think that there are multiple options and not to mention if what is said is true, that the Colts are really thinking about getting a quarterback, then they would probably already know who they're trying to go after I'm just thinking that there are a plethora of options at quarterback that at least for a year, this team can slightly improve on. Even if they decide to keep Jacoby Brissett in the mix, it's just going to be a thing of which one and does that help? I, I think that it's ultimately just not as huge of an issue as some people make it out to be, at least not at this moment. And the number one position that I think is the biggest of needs for the Indianapolis Colts is the defensive tackle. Now, our best pass rusher on the defensive tackle, Danico Autry, nine sacks 
in 20 uh in 2018 only three and a half sacks in 2019 very disappointing season our second best defensive tackle was Grover Stewart with three sacks and he was a backup and he's not supposed to uh rush the passer and he's not supposed to rush the passer that's the that is truth and Marcus Hunt who, you know, we kept around for two more years. He didn't get a sack, not one, all year long. This The, the top three guys on our defensive line and in the middle accumulated for six and a half sacks. Three guys. That's not good. That's not good at all. And it's no secret the Colts gave up a lot of rushing yards throughout the year when it came to that. They're also looking for better guys in the middle. I've always been on the big side of, you know, possibly getting a Derek Brown or a Javon Kenlaw or guys like that in the beginning of this draft that are playmakers. They are designed for this. They got the long arms, the really powerful bodies. They're big. They just move people. They're Grover Stewart, but more athletic basically is what uh, that is. So, and we've all, I've always said it, it, if there's one thing that's not more important, it's the three most important things in football. It's getting a quarterback, getting a line to protect your quarterback, and then putting guys on the line to go after the opposing team's quarterback. Defensive tackle and the uh, defensive line is very important. And we're starting to get the understanding of that from the defensive ends. Our defensive ends performed pretty well last year, give, uh, given the circumstances, you know, obviously with a bunch of our guys getting hurt uh, early in the year. And Justin Houston came along, had 11 sacks. Uh, Kamiko Ture was off to a great start at the beginning of the year before he got hurt as well. So, I think we need that middle to ensure that that rush up the middle is not going anywhere and to ensure that we're able to get to the quarterback by pushing him backwards. That's what we need more than anything. And that's why I really want think that defensive tackle is the biggest need for us at this moment. So with my top five, again, number five, tight end, number four, offensive guard, number three wide receiver, number two quarterback, number one defensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really – there was like one position. I had corner, you had offensive guard, but, I mean, we had pretty much all the same positions except for that one, mm-hmm. um, but we just kind of had it in a little bit different order. But, you know, they're all needs. They're all positions the Colts need to address. Um, regardless of what we think our opinion is on where – um, and the level of importance the Colts should place on these positions, it doesn't matter. Uh, but, the, but the facts are the Colts need to address these positions because these were weaknesses. These were reasons why the Colts did not make the playoffs, did not have a winning season, and there was just a lot of factors into that. And so these are some of the positions that we believe the Colts need to address. Uh, but, you know, our one and two um, just flip-flop those and we're there. Um, you obviously have the mindset you you win games. You're more of a you know, you win games by getting after the quarterback, which I totally understand. I'm more of you win games with 
yes, getting after the quarterback, but also having an elite quarterback. I think we're both we're we're on the same level there. I just place a little bit more on the quarterback position, and you place a little bit more on the three technique, and that's totally cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'd love to hear what you guys think on the top five positions for the Colts, and also if you who do you think the Colts are going to bring back in unrestricted and restricted, um, and all those different things in free agency. What do you think the Colts are going to do? What do you think the Colts should do? It'll be interesting to see kind of how our predictions play out here as free agency starts next Wednesday and also as the draft approaches here in the month of April coming up pretty quickly. I believe it's the last weekend, the last Thursday, Friday, Saturday of April. Um, so coming up here, man, a, a little over a month, but it's exciting. So pumped just for stuff to start going again. I tell you what, the draft is like my favorite time of the year. Cause it's like that entire weekend, I guess that Thursday, Friday and Saturday, I texted my girlfriend and said, Hey, you're probably not going to see me because I'm going to be watching the draft like all day. <laughs> and that's, it's just right. like a holiday, man. It really is. It's so much yep. fun. I love to do it. Um, mm-hmm. and you, have you seen what they're doing this year for the draft? It's pretty sweet actually. Yeah. I saw, you know, the scene of how they're doing it with, uh, how they're going to get everybody, you know, moving like that. Yeah. It, it's, it is pretty cool. Um, it's going to be a change of scenery. It's a little different than, you know, what we're used to. Um, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. We're just going to have to watch, see how the NFL prepares this. And, uh, and then we'll just have to see. Um, I certainly hope that, you know, this coronavirus bull crap doesn't, uh, impact the draft at all. Uh, I, I'd highly doubt it just because, you know, it's not like, I, I don't know how they're going to do the seating and everything. I, I'm not sure how that's going to work. Um, I just, I know that, you know, the, uh, a bunch of sports leagues are basically going around saying, you know, that we're limiting access to, you know, locker rooms now to essential personnel. I just don't know how, I don't know how that's going to work for the draft and everything. I'm just hoping that, at some point here in the next few weeks, this stuff will die down a little bit and then people just kind of not panic as much. Yeah. My, my parents and a couple of my siblings were planning on going on a cruise actually. And now obviously with the coronavirus and all that stuff and my sister got injured in basketball. And so she's in a boot. Uh, they just kind of decided, no, we're not going to go this year. And actually they got an email from the cruise line that basically said, Hey, you know, we know obviously this is a concern. Um, you're, you're able to kind of cancel this year. Um, you're able to go, I believe, through 2021. So they have the next couple of years if they want to take that cruise still. And so, but, but yeah, man, it's definitely an issue. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't last until the draft. Hopefully it's kind of over by that point and we can just move on. But, you know, in the case that it's not, man, let's move it to Indianapolis. I'm all for it. Let's move it to Indy. Yeah, that would please. be fantastic. That would be so cool. <laughs> hey, I'd be uh, down. <laughs> I've yes. already, my friends and I have already decided that we're going to go to the draft in Cleveland in 2021. Okay. Do you think Indianapolis will ever get it? Ever get a, a bid there for it? Uh, I, I, I think they will. I honestly think they will just with how nice the city is, and, you know, how many events they already host. Uh, it makes mm-hmm. sense that they would want to, you know, bring it to Indianapolis at some point. Yeah. I mean, some people are trying to push the combine out of Indianapolis. So I know that, um, which is stupid. stupid. So dumb. I don't know why they think that's a good idea. Moving it to a, you know, Indianapolis for me, it's a good sized city. Like it's just, it's perfect for the combine because it's just, it's not too big. It's not too crowded. 
it's it's just perfect. Like you can get around, everything's convenient. But if you go to like LA, you go to New York, you know, you go to one of those West Coast cities, it's just gonna be not I just don't think it's gonna be good. Um, I think Indianapolis is perfect for it, and I think that they should stop trying to move everything out west. And they should just let the, let Indianapolis have the combine because they do an excellent job year in and year out. You know, it's kind of like why would you try to fix something that's not broken? It doesn't Absolutely. make any sense. Work on fixing your officials. Work on fixing your stupid rules. Don't work uh-huh. on these little stupid things that are working. You know, it's just like silly, so stupid sometimes. And I'm just like, what is the what are what is the board even trying to do here? What's the NFL PA? What is all this stuff doing? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like just just fix the things that are obviously wrong and stop trying to move things around that are working. I don't know. That's just my little rant there. But uh, yeah, man, I, I think that wraps up this podcast. It was a good one. Um, definitely a little bit longer than we usually do. Um, but I love it, man. The draft's coming up soon. Um, I think we'll probably actually I don't think we'll be able to um, unless we record sometime this week because I'm going to actually be out of town I'm going to be going down south, hopefully. Uh, don't come back with a coronavirus, but going down south. Uh, my grandparents have uh, – they they always – they rent uh, a condo down south in Florida. And so a couple of my buddies and I were going down there and staying with them for a week. Uh, much needed. Uh, it's been a while since I've been able to go down there. So uh, super excited for that. And I'm just always excited because uh, I'll be enjoying that while also uh, – you know, watching free agency frenzy happen at the same time. So I'm, I'm super pumped for that. Super pumped for just the NFL to get back and to swing a little bit. It's been a little bit of a lull and now I'm ready, man, for, for more action and more fun stuff coming up and more drama. It's going to be mm-hmm. great. Love it. Uh, and yeah, so I think that that wraps up our podcast here. Uh, thanks guys for listening. We appreciate your support as always. And as always go Colts.